The Patriots head to Pittsburgh after a week one loss in Miami while the Red Sox play out the string. But the future is now with Tristan Cassis. We'll talk to the first baseman with the Red Sox coming up in just a little bit. I am Chris Ryan. This is the press pass. So certainly a 20 to 7 loss in week one does not look good on paper to the Miami Dolphins, but a couple plays here and there, and the Patriots win this game. So overall, given the amount of concern there was that about this Patriots team heading into the regular season, things are okay in New England, in my view. And now they head to Pittsburgh for a challenging game here in week number two. Coming out of the Dolphins game, a lot of concern about Mac Jones and his back, but everything has looked okay. He's practiced this week. In fact, has had full participation this week in Patriots practices. And I talked with him about the back issue and week one performance. Hey, Mac, have you ever had anything like that before? Any kind of previous back issue? And how concerning was it that it was that area of the body? Yeah, I think I'll be fine. Um, like I said, the trainers looked at it and haven't had any issues with it before and don't expect any issues now. So everything's good. On the game side of things, Bill said a couple plays here and there, and the outcome may have been a bit different for you guys. What were your takeaways on your individual performance and the teams? Um, after watching the film, I think we did a lot of good things, and we just have to eliminate the really bad things. So, um, you know, in terms of actually executing the plays, it was actually a lot better than what we thought and what people probably think. But we got to score more points and. Um, take care of the football and eliminate the really bad plays. And um, But we had plenty of good plays, and everyone fought pretty hard, and we just got to do a better job with that uh, next week. Here's Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. Morning, Bill. Um, in regard to the, the run game, um, how would you categorize you know, the, consi- uh, the consistency or inconsistency there in your general sense as to what you've got production-wise? <laughs> I thought there was some consistency in the running game. Like everything else, it could be better. Um, but uh, that's a pretty good run front. I thought we, you know, had some uh, openings inside and outside. Um, but certainly room for improvement, and, and we'll keep doing that. But I thought overall it was competitive. And um, Kyle Duggar, his you know, trajectory as a player and also – uh, his tackling ability, how how well has he done in that area and how has that kind of shown in the Miami game? Yeah, I think overall Kyle's one of our better and stronger tacklers. Um, look, any, anybody that plays a, an NFL game is going to have plays that they would like to have back or do a little bit differently. Um, on the touchdown, there was you know, a couple things that could have happened better on that play. Uh, so hopefully all of us can we can coach and, and execute a little bit better so that that doesn't happen. Uh, that play was certainly, the result of that was preventable. Um, so we have to do it. Here's Patriots special teams captain Matthew Slater. Hey, Matthew, your feelings on where things sit with the uh, special teams right now, using a couple new returners. What's your sense as to where things are at? Yeah, um, you know, I thought our specialists did a really good job. Um, good operations yesterday. Nick kicked the ball well with the opportunities that he had, and I thought Jake punted the ball well. Um, you know, we did some good things in coverage. Um, 
you know, didn't didn't create enough game changing plays. Yeah. You know, I think our goal every time we go out there is to make a play that's going to uh, alter the course of the game, change the momentum, um, really give a jolt to the team. And we didn't have a chance to do that yesterday. Um, you know, sometimes that's the way the game goes. But for us, we're hopeful that we can make an impactful play every week. So, you know, we're hungry for those plays. That's what we work for. That's what we prepare for. And, you know, we just got to turn our focus now to uh, the, the Steelers and and see what we can do with a very good group that we're facing this week. Bill seemed to kind of like where you guys are at in totality, coming out of Miami and going into Pittsburgh. Do you f- feel that as well? Do you feel the need to be a little more attention to detail? Where to? How do things sit with you? Yeah, well, look, there always needs to be more attention to detail. It doesn't matter, you know, win or loss. You don't go out there and play the perfect game, uh, even though that's your goal every week. So th- there's always going to be room for improvement. You know, I think our mindset uh, needs to be one uh, where we – you know, look at what we're doing and 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 tighten tighten some things down. But then, you know, you don't you don't hit the panic alarm or you know uh, hit the retreat button because things don't go your way in week one. So for us, I think we have to remain op- optimistic, remain positive, continue to work with purpose and intentionality, and uh, you know turn our focus towards week two and make sure we do you know things a little bit better this week. Number of times in the Dolphins game, Mac Jones threw into double and sometimes triple coverage. It seemed like a lot of the time he was targeting Jacoby Myers, who would appear to be his favorite receiver. I talked with Joe Judd, Patriots quarterback coach, about that. Joe, when you know a quarterback has a receiver that they feel really comfortable with, how do you kind of coach the the quarterback on his reads? You know, there's the comfort, but there's also maybe you know double coverage in an instance. And kind of balancing those those two things. Well, the reads all tie in with each play based on you know what you're expecting coverage wise. The quarterback has an idea of where he has to start with his progression based on the coverage, and then where he goes and where his outlet is. In terms of any single player, you know that's got to kind of fall within you know what comes our way. We can't force it. So, you know, there's going to be times you'll see guys make great throws, maybe you know into double coverage or contested plays, where guys are just going to make football plays and go up there and get it. In terms of the progressions. We don't ever start out a progression with in terms of this is your favorite guy. Look for him first. You know, it goes more into here's the play. Here's a setup. Here's what they play defensively. Here's what we can anticipate in these situations. So when the ball turns over, you know, where are your eyes going? And things happen very fast. So the quarterbacks really have to be trained with their eyes in terms of what are they seeing from the safeties, you know, the defensive backs. And then where does that take them? Does it go left, right? Does it go high to low? You know, each play has its own, you know, combination, which you're trying to work. But the understanding of the play is really what has to tie into it. You know, I'd say for most quarterbacks, the favorite receiver is the open guy. You know, I'd say one thing about, you know, working with Mac and these guys here, Brian and Zap, you know, I haven't really seen too much favoritism in practice. They rip it to everybody. They spread it around. You know, they, they give everybody a chance to make plays, and all of our guys step up and they do. Also checked in on the offensive line, which in my view, really inconsistent in the first game. Pass protection, good at times, bad at other times. Same with the run. Here's Matt Patricia, Patriots offensive line coach, who's also calling plays and acting as the de facto offensive coordinator. Hey, Matt. Happy birthday um, as well. Um, Wanted to get your thoughts on the offensive line coming out of the Miami game, in particular the performances of uh, Cole Strange and uh, Trent uh, Brown. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, the upfront, the guys, they, they really tried to give great effort. I think they played hard. Um, certainly there's some areas that we got to improve on um, and, and playing really, I would say, in our first kind of um, 
you know, let's call it hostile environment where there's a lot of noise and, and being on the road, you don't really get a good sense of that in preseason. So the communication aspect of it is something that, uh, you know, that we've got to keep working to improve on and, and get better. And it'll be another big challenge for us. I mean, Pittsburgh is very loud. You know, that's a definite uh, great environment to go play football in. And I think one of the things that the challenges for, you know, five guys up front is to be able to see the game through the same set of eyes. And certainly with Cole making his first, you know, start in the NFL and, and playing uh, James coming in and, and you know, uh, being able to rotate through and playing everybody that we, you know, tried to have out there at the game. Yadney came in too and, and working those guys through the game, um, you know, our first game there. I thought it was, you know, there's a lot of things to build on from that aspect of it. There's certainly some things that we got to get better on and we got to improve, but that happens through the course of an NFL you know, season and, and part of guys playing together for a consistent amount of time. You know, some some of the previous games, maybe they were just in there together, um, you know, call it 10, 15, 20 plays at the most. So when you get up to 60, uh, obviously there's more opportunity where you just have to be in tune to the same things that you're seeing across the ball. The Patriots de facto defensive coordinators are Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo. I spoke with both of them. Morning, Steve. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Gross? Awesome. Um, what is kind of your expectations in regard to the the pass rush this year? Do you feel that's going to be you know, more of a strength for the group this season? And how do you evaluate that coming out of uh, Miami? Yeah, you know, I thought those guys did a did a good job. Um, you know, we definitely definitely got pressure on the quarterback last week, and the expectation is 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 a high level performance like it is at at every position and the defense collectively. And just one more, um, you mentioned earlier kind of the tackling being a little bit you know, behind at this point start of the year. Do you feel that generally the defense is a little bit behind the the offense in terms of execution to begin a season, or is there not any real kind of consensus on whether offense or defense is ahead beginning a year? Uh, to me, uh, personally, no. I don't feel like, you know, one one side of the ball has a, you know, a leg up on the other. Um it's easy to say that now after week one, you know, um, like oh, it looks like throughout the course of the league, the offense was ahead of the defense. Just like, you know, honestly, I haven't watched enough of of the games throughout the you know week one to say one way or another. But that's not, you know, we don't talk about now right now. Like, uh, you know, we know the offense is ahead of us. Like, that's not that's not the case for us um, on our defense. Hey, Gerard, I hope all is well with you. Um, just want to pick up on something you said earlier about Bill being kind of night and day from when you played versus uh, now. In what ways do you think he's evolved uh, the most? Uh, I mean, that's a tough question. I would say, you know, he's still a hard-nosed coach. He's still, you know, very smart, very savvy. I would say he's just dealing with a different player now than what he was dealing with back then. And so, uh, you have to know which lever to pull to really get uh, guys to respond the right way. And I think he does a good job at that. In regard to turnovers, obviously it, it's a focal point for your group, particularly at linebacker. How do you go about trying to, you know, create turnovers in a, in a game, whether it's fumbles, whether it's interceptions and kind of also stay within a game plan, stay disciplined? Yeah, we, we work on that stuff every single day. We talk about it every single day. And even this past game, we had some opportunities to get some turnovers. So we just have to capitalize on those going forward and help you know get the, get the ball back to our offense. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. And we're going to take our last question from Kyrie Thompson. Go ahead. Steelers, Patriots, Sunday at 1 p.m. in Pittsburgh. 
Red Sox playing out the string and looking more towards 2023. Reason to be excited, Tristan Cassis. I caught up with him. Joined by Tristan Cass, about two weeks into his big league career. And Tristan, how has the reality of being a big leaguer matched the dream for you growing up? It's been everything I've imagined, honestly. I mean, playing for an organization like this, I knew coming up there was going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of expectation. But, you know, it's the same game on the field. You know, everything off of it has been completely different. The only thing that feels natural to me is in between the lines. So being able to block all that outside noise and then being able to just play nine innings uh, with this group of guys has been pretty special. And how hard is it to block out the outside noise and to just kind of remain centered? Because we've seen, obviously, prospects come through before, and there's a lot of hype that surrounds them for the fans, a lot of expectations, and sometimes guys deal with it well, sometimes they obviously don't. So for you, what are the keys to making sure that you remain who you've been throughout the course of your baseball career? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I mean, going into reading scouting reports, a lot of the pitchers that we're facing now and that I've grown up watching, you know, they have the same characteristics um, as the same guys that I was facing down in AAA, AA. So the stuff is the same. The way that they use it is different. The way that they're able to locate and, and sequence it is definitely different. But it's still the same game in between the lines. You know, the velocities don't really change that much. But off the field, managing everything from your routines to, yes, the, the noise and the media and um, to the TV, the expectations, you know, I think that's where um, big leaguers separate themselves from, from the minor leaguers and the rest of them. And, um consistency is definitely a big part of it as well so I, that's those are the things i'm looking on looking on you know honing in and, and taking into 2023 and, and getting my routines down uh, pretty down packed your first couple games here your big league career you get two big home runs out of the way the first one in your home state of florida the first big league home run in here at fenway park on tuesday night uh, one obviously goes to right field you pulled that one and uh, the one at fenway uh, goes over the monster in left center is that the type of hitter that we should expect you know, to see from you? You pull the ball when it's in and when the opportunity exists, but you like to extend the arms and get the ball out um, to left center field and utilize perhaps the wall here? You know, I don't really put too much stock into it. I got a 90-degree angle that I could spray balls all over the place. There's a lot of grass and uh, eight guys that I got to get it in between. So I don't try to put too much stock or thought into where I want to hit the ball. Um, you know, there's a famous quote by Yogi Berra that says you can't think and hit at the same time. So what happens in between him releasing the ball and me making contact, uh, it's really all blurred. So I can't control it. I just go up there and try to let my natural ability take over and just let my reaction and, and muscle memory do the, do the rest. In other words, though, you do want to utilize the entire field. You just want to let it happen. You're not going to think about where you want to put the ball. Yes, exactly. I mean... <clears throat> in batting practice, off the tee, soft toss, it's very easy to, to want to uh, be able to control the ball. But coming at, you know, dealing with fractions of inches on the bat at milliseconds of reaction time and variations of velocities, you know, it's very hard to be able to try to control the ball. And there are special players and special hitters that are able to do that. I'm not at that point in my career at the point at, at the moment, though. So I'm just going up there trying to hit the ball hard and, and hope I get lucky, get it in between some guys. A big challenge for younger players, and it seems like you have a pretty good handle on it, is there's a whole bunch of information that's coming in your direction. Obviously, the organization is trying to siphon that to make sure it's the best information for you in each opportunity. But how do you go about 
taking all the information, but also allowing for you to be in that place where you are able to kind of see pitch, hit pitch, uh, and be in that mindset and not overthink situations. Yeah, definitely. They provide you with every single statistic that you could want to know on a field. Uh, you know, I could ask for what the pitcher throws percentage-wise in a 2-0 and count with a runner on second in the sixth inning up by a certain amount of runs. And I can know that, but really understanding how I'm going to apply that in a real game situation um, is the difference. I, I don't like to think too much into percentages, too much into uh, scouting reports. I have a lot of, I have a good feel for the game. I've been studying it for a long time. I go up there with a plan, try to execute it as best as I can. I know the pitch, pitch characteristics that match my swing plane the best. Um, I know what the pitcher's throwing, and I know what way to attack the ball. And outside of that, I don't really put too much stock in, into the overall percentages because I don't group myself necessarily in the norm of of hitters so i think that pitchers are going to attack me a little differently whether it's the sequence whether it's uh you know trying something different Uh, i think that uh you know i don't really put a lot of of attention into you know scouting reports that much uh i just go out there and try to let you know the game play play itself out and have a feel for for you know what i'm trying to look for and try to do the best that i can with it one of the things I've noticed so far is that pitchers are trying to get you to expand the, the strike zone. Obviously, that's the cat-and-mouse game that happens each time. And you've been unwilling to you know, really expand the strike zone so far. What's your, your uh, philosophy when it comes to, you know, to that, where there's pitches on the corners and whether or not you're going to take, whether or not you're going to swing? Yeah, definitely early uh, I have been challenged to stay inside the zone, and I think I've done a pretty good job of that. Uh, you know, Just like any, any hitter, you are aggressive at the plate and if you want to do damage and you want to swing the bat fast you're going to swing at some bad pitches sometimes but you know for the most part staying in the zone and controlling a small area of the middle of the plate has been my focus i think uh trying to cover the whole plate is an unrealistic goal i mean 17 inches is doesn't sound like a whole lot um and in between the knees and you know let's say your midsection your your of your stomach it's there's a lot of a lot of balls and a lot of angles that can cross through that through that zone so just trying to focus on controlling a little part of it is is where i've uh you know channeled my energy so yeah it's 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 a trickle down effect it's not going to be where they just challenge me and i go out and hit really well and then they're going to be scared to pitch to me it's going to be let's see how far we can get him to expand let's see how let's let's see if we can chase let's see if he stays disciplined and then if he doesn't uh, do that then we're going to have to attack the zone and i feel like that's that's the trickle down effect that i've been getting so far Final thing is, you really seem to enjoy the defensive side of the game as well. Whether it's to take a grounders before the game, like there's seems to be like a passion to that side of the game of baseball. Is there a focus on your part, not just on fielding, but being kind of an overall baseball player, not you know just dude that hits home runs, this dude that gets on base? Absolutely. There's three parts of the game. Uh, there's defense, there's offense, and there's running. Well. There's hitting and there's running bases. Those are the three, three, three parts of the game. And yesterday I stole a base, which was pretty cool too. But hitting, getting hits and driving in runs is great. It's important, and that's how you win baseball games. But picking up everybody on defense, making good plays, whether it's a backhand in the hole, feeding the pitcher on the run, or picking up uh, one of the infielders on a bad throw, that affects everybody. That affects the pitcher. It affects the infielders. It gives them a little more confidence to give just 
give me the ball, throw the ball over there, and understand, you know, hope that I'll do the rest of the job. It affects the bullpen, saving them pitches, saving the rest of the team uh, time on the field, getting us back here in the in the dugout, keeping the flow of the game going, and keeping the momentum on our side. So, defense is a huge part of the game. I do take a lot of pride in it. Um, because I want to be an everyday player. So uh, defense is definitely a def- uh, an important part of the game. Tristan, thanks. Appreciate it. No problem. Meanwhile, the Yankees look to secure the division championship. Concord, New Hampshire native Matt Blake is their pitching coach. Joined by Concord native and Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake in with the Yankees at Fenway Park against the Red Sox. And since the last time we talked, there's been some little turbulence with the, uh, the Yankees. How would you describe where you guys are at right now and what that turbulence perhaps means in a positive sense moving forward? Well, I think we're getting healthy now. We've got a lot of guys coming back off the IL, both on the position player side and the pitching side. I think uh, kind of weathered a storm there for a little while where a lot of things weren't going our way. You know, just a little light on the scoring, a little light on starting pitching, you know, dealing with some injuries. But overall, you know, hopefully that's why you play like gangbusters in the first half and set yourself up for a little bit of uh, breathing room there. It feels like the pitching staff has kind of kept you guys in this, particularly when you weren't scoring any runs at all. What areas have you seen your strength of the pitching staff and resilience in dealing with whether it's Nestor's injury uh, and some of the other issues yeah. you've had? I think the biggest thing is just trying to accumulate as much depth as possible going into the year and then develop it as you go along. Obviously, we've had some big contributions from guys that weren't necessarily the household names. Uh, Wani Peralta stepping up big for us last night and then you know down the stretch here. Now you got some younger guys like Weissert and Marinaccio filling some big roles, Clark Schmidt. So young guys from the system coming in and making an impact and then some of the, the additions like Efros and Lou Trevino really helping out. Domingo Herman has been good as well uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks and looks like Severino is coming back. Um, So is there a sense that you're going to kind of get the rotation in order here for the last kind of couple weeks of the season and then you figure out where things are going to go postseason-wise? Yeah, I think we're starting to line that up now. Uh, obviously, we're in the midst of a, a race that we're trying to win, so we're still getting our guys out there as often as possible. Um, obviously, Herman has been throwing the ball really well, and he'll probably be the one that kind of f- flexes back into the bullpen just given his ability to throw strikes and fill a couple different roles. And Sevy should be back this week. He's got one more rehab start, hopefully tomorrow that goes well, and then we'll get him back. And Nestor came back last week, and he's got another one tonight. So starting to come Come together for us. Got to keep putting it, putting the pieces together. You've got a really good seat for watching Aaron Judge uh, this year. What has stood out to you about um, the nature of what he is doing now with uh, 57 home runs after Tuesday night? Yeah, I feel like just the consistency of his at bats. He doesn't give anything away. You know, whether we're up, down, it's tight game. The way he gets pitched is incredibly difficult. You know, they're trying to pitch around him a lot. He's not getting a lot of fastballs, so he's usually getting the best right-hander out of the pen. Um, so I think there's a lot of factors going against him having this kind of success. And I think he's just so level-headed. He goes about his work every day and trusts his process, and he gets out there and gives us a, a really call, a quality at bat every night. And he's, you know, when he gets the barrel on the ball, it goes a long way. Yeah, over the last two months, it feels like it's been kind of him on an island by himself. Yeah. And he continues to hit those home runs. So it's you look, think back to you know Barry Bonds' career, and that re- it's really been like that, and that or Soto in yeah. Washington that he yeah. doesn't get pitched to, and he still hits home runs. How has he done that? You know, I think he's just always ready. He knows he's going to get you know one quality pitch per at bat, and it might be one pitch a night, but you know he stays convicted on his plan, and he goes up there, and he's at, you know he's prepared, and I think he knows what he's looking for, and you know he's really good at getting his swing off when he gets his pitch. So I think it's a testament to him for being as consistent with his mental approach to the at bats as he has been. 
Final thing, what is you know, kind of your level of comfort in going to whether it's you know Judge or Stanton and saying, hey, this is what I'm seeing from my area of expertise. Um, here's how to u- utilize it. Is that something that you would do, or are there kind of intermediaries? How does kind of those relationships kind of work? And will, will hitters seek you out? Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of times I'll go through the hitting coaches with some of the things that I'm seeing. Every now and again, a, a pitcher might or a hitter might ask a question about like some pitch profiles where we're starting to see more information on the board, starting to see more of that information pop up in their advanced work. So I think just trying to give them like a little more context for some of the shapes they're going to see, some of the angles that the guys are throwing at them. I think just giving them a little bit better appreciation for what the, what they're going to get before they get up in the box mostly. Matt, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. This is the Press Pass. I'm Chris Ryan.